the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sometimes when things are bigger than us, that's the best way to go because we just have to sit back. We have to trust him completely. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 2, and I entitled this message, A Predetermined Plan. You know, God has a predetermined plan for each one of us. Now, he does not make us do this plan. He doesn't put us in a headlock. He doesn't you know, pin us to the ground and force us to. God has given to each and every one of us our own free will, yet... If we allow ourselves to submit to God's eternal plan for us, we could actually be used by our creator to accomplish more than we could have ever accomplished, more than we could have ever imagined our own selves. Yes, it's all based on how much we're willing to submit to God's plan over our own plan for our own lives. Plus, God's purpose for us was already known even before we were born, before we were in our mother's womb. But then, of course, as we were starting to be formed in our mother's womb, that plan started to unfold the day we were born. Remember, the Bible says that God knew us before we came out of our mother's womb, and then from that day on, he knew all of our days. Yes, each of us have all been born, yet some will say, but pastor, I don't know if God could use me because I was born on the wrong side of the tracks, or I was born with parents that didn't care for me, or I have horrible circumstances the whole time I was growing up or whatever the other numerous scenarios are that you might say. You know, our culture screams about people that have been disadvantaged in some way in life, and they'll make excuses for bad behavior because of it. Yet, throughout the Bible, we see multiple times God using men and women that God raised up from, well, both sides of the tracks, you could say, from those who were seemingly raised in good situations and everything was done right and they were just kind of goody two-shoes, you know? Like, let's take Joseph, for example, in the Old Testament. You know, you never really read anything that he did wrong. He was just a good person. He made right choices. And he, even though he did all those right things, he was still given a raw deal in life as his brother sold him as a slave. But again, it didn't seem to affect him. He always made right decisions. To going to the New Testament, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, 
You know, she was always making like right choices. In fact, every time you read of her, she's always sitting at the feet of Jesus and everything she does seems to be right. Yet, even though we have those examples in the Bible, and actually there are kind of few, the vast majority of people that God raised up and used mightily in the Bible were those that you would least expect, like Rahab the prostitute. I mean, God raised her up and used her mightily to help the children of Israel in their first major victory coming into the promised land. But that wasn't all that God used her for. He also used her as she became the great-great-grandmother of King David, which puts Rahab, the former prostitute, I should say, former prostitute, it puts her in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then we have people like the Apostle Matthew, who was a complete sellout to his own people. He was a Hebrew, he was a Jew, and he was working for the incoming Romans as a tax collector against his own people, ripping off his own people, but yet God raised him up. Yes, from weak men like Gideon of the Old Testament, Judges 6, who was the least of the family of Manasseh, the least in his own family, and the least of the least of the least. But yet God raised him up to the scrapper fisherman in the New Testament named Peter, who was told by the Lord to, he told the Lord, hey, Lord, depart from me. You don't want any part of me. I'm a scrapper fisherman. You know, I'm a sinner. He says, Lord, just get away from me. But yet the Lord didn't do that. The Lord raised him up. Yes, most of the time, God uses the weak He uses the feeble, and he raises them up against the strong and the mighty. Now, why does God do that? Why would God do that? So that when people see, you know, something miraculous happen through that person, they're like, there's got to be a God. Because, I mean, how in the world could that happen? You know, when we see sports icons in this day and age, you know, break you know, numerous records, you know, we kind of attribute it to their physical superiority on the field or on the court or what have you. Like Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul. But he went out and scored 81 points in one game. It was like, oh my goodness. But yet everyone's like, well, that's Kobe. I mean, you know, I mean, how many times did he have 50 and 60 point games? Well, he went off and he had 81 point games, but it's like, well, that's Kobe. And then what about Tom Brady? He wins seven Super Bowls. Like no one's won seven Super Bowls. I think the most that anyone's ever won was maybe four. And there's only one guy that did that. So it's like he's won seven Super Bowls. Or when we see a famous actor make another blockbuster movie, well, didn't we expect that? That's why we went to go see the movie because every movie that guy's in, it's always good. Or that girl's in, it's always good. So we expect these things. But when you see something, you know, that's from someone that you don't expect it from, then obviously it's God. And that's what happened with Peter. He was this uneducated scrapper fisherman. And there he was standing toe to toe with the most highly educated religious leaders of the day, the Jews that were superior in their knowledge of the scripture. But yet, When he got into contact with them, those Jews were left speechless. And when they could come around to saying something, this is what they said about Peter 
and John. And of course, John was a scrapper fisherman too. They both come off the beach of Capernaum. And it says in Acts 4.13, the religious leaders, they said, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. They were astonished. And he began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. It's like, how did those guys put us in our place? Oh, they had been with Jesus. See, that's why God likes to raise up normal people because people don't expect the extraordinary to come out of people like us. They're just regular people. See, in reality, it doesn't really matter what social class you were born into. You can't use it as an excuse, whether you were high class, middle class, no class, but we won't point you out, okay? If you were born in total poverty, you know, it's interesting to note that Jesus was born into what would be considered poverty conditions. He was born into those conditions by his own will, desire, and choice. If Jesus wanted to, he could have been born into a palace, if that's what he wanted, but he didn't want that. No one can ever shake their fist at heaven and say, you know, God, you just don't know what it's like in my life. You haven't lived in my shoes. It's like, well, excuse me, you're absolutely wrong. You don't understand. See, God has felt every pain you could ever feel in your life. Jesus not only grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, he also grew up on the run as his parents had to flee Bethlehem right after he was born. Why? Because King Herod, hearing that this baby, that the Magi came to worship, remember the three kings came to worship him at his birth? Well, they realized, King Herod did, that these three kings were coming to worship this baby that was born in a manger. And he wasn't just a king, as those kings said. He was the king. This baby born in a manger was the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So out of absolute jealousy, King Herod desired to kill baby Jesus, but he didn't know which baby he was. So King Herod started killing every male baby that was two years old or younger. But of course, an angel told Joseph and Mary to flee to Egypt to spare the life of Jesus until Herod died. Then once he died, they returned and they settled in Nazareth, which again was a village filled with poverty. If you go to Nazareth today, it's still a hole. It was a hole here and it's a hole here today still. And that's why when Philip said to Nathaniel in John chapter one, we have found the Messiah. Nathaniel's like, yeah, who's it? It's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel responded, quote, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, it's like that's how bad of a hole it was. Yes, Jesus was raised on the wrong side of the tracks. He was raised in total and complete poverty. Yet he was raised by loving parents. And regardless of where we are raised, whether we had good parents or not good parents, Jesus died for each and every one of us here today. And we can now be forgiven and we can now be redeemed. What does that mean? It means we're all on a level playing field. You can't say, well, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks or I had horrible parents. You can't say that. You can't say it. I mean, you can say it because it happened, but you can't say God can't use me because of that because God can use every single one of us. So we're all 
on a level playing field. So if you're wondering, I don't know if God could ever use me, Pastor. You don't know me. It doesn't matter. God could use you. That's the point. So if you feel like you've been beat down and not given a fair shake in life, know this. Jesus can totally raise you up because he lived through all the plights of life. For he was despised and forsaken by his own people. But yet the Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in all things, yet without sin. So God's like, no, I've been where you've been. I've been tempted with everything you've been tempted with. I never fell to the sin, but I know exactly your weaknesses. I've been tempted with everything you've been tempted with. Now, maybe you've fallen to it. I haven't, but that's why I died for you. You can be forgiven. Now, stop looking behind yourself and look forward. Stop looking behind. Look forward. It's a new life now. You can all be used. And because of that, again, we can not only know God personally, but we can be used by him mightily. Well, with that as a backdrop, as we read together, picking up in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Now a man from the house of Levi went, and he married a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and she covered it with tar and pitch. And then she put the baby into it, and she set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile River. And his sister, this is Moses' sister, stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him, the baby Moses. We'll stop there for a moment. So here's a story that's as old as time itself. It starts off in verse 1. There's a man. And he met a woman. They fell in love and they got married. And then they had a baby. We're not told too much about this couple here. Yet we're told what their names are in Exodus chapter 6 verse 20. So the man's name was Amran. And in the Hebrew it means people exalted. I wonder why they named him people exalted. Because he was born into total slavery. Maybe it was the hope of one day that the people of God would one day again be exalted. But they weren't right now. And his wife's name was Jochebed. Now Jochebed, her name means Yahweh is glory. See, they were from the tribe of Levi. Set alone, set apart to be the priests over the people of God. Now, we know that they were born into slavery again because they've been slaves for quite some time. And we also know that they had at least two other children. You know, Miriam, the oldest sister, and Aaron, which was Moses' brother. Now, again, they were just ordinary people, just regular people born into slavery. So you could say they're definitely born on the wrong side of the tracks. Now, again, this is who God most of the time chooses to use for his miraculous work. We're told that Moses here in verse 2 was a beautiful baby. Yes, in the eyes of most mothers, their babies are beautiful. But when God points it out, you can pretty much take it for granted that Moses was a pretty cute baby, to say the least. And this mother was doing whatever she could to hide Moses. How do I let them kill this beautiful little baby? Oh my goodness. But it was getting 
increasingly more difficult to hide him. How do you hide a little baby? He's crying all the time and all of this. So she has this crazy idea. Leave it to a woman of God to have a crazy idea, okay? Maybe her husband thought, are you nuts? Wife, what are you talking about? Maybe this desperate mother just looked at her husband and said, Listen, I'm going to build an ark, a little boat, and I'm going to put the baby in it. I'm going to float him down the Nile River. And his husband's like, have you lost your mind? Well, maybe so, but tell that to Noah. If Noah can build a giant boat and put a bunch of animals in it, and God saved those animals, God can save my baby. Hey, call it the voice of a desperate woman, or call it the voice of a woman who's heard from God. So they did it. They built a little boat. You know, to put this little baby in. And they put Moses into the little boat and they float him down the Nile River. Now, Miriam, Moses' older sister, you know, she follows the ark, kind of hiding in the reeds along the side, staying out of the sight, okay? Yes, Jochebed, the mother of Moses, by faith, was trusting that God was going to somehow some way, save her baby. It's like, if there's anyone that can save, it's out of my hands. Every baby boy is killed. That was what the Pharaoh said, and that's what happens. But there's got to be a way, and only God can do that. See, that is what faith is. Faith is a confidence. Faith is a trust that in spite of what we can see, in spite of what we know, in spite of what the circumstances are screaming at us, we believe that God is able to do something. We believe that God is going to be God. That's why he's God. He's the creator of the universe. 100 billion galaxies, 100 billion stars in each one. He put the ring around Saturn. If God can do that, he can work in my situation That's what Jochebed was saying. I am not going to kill my baby because this situation was way bigger than her. It was way bigger than her. Imagine how it could have all gone wrong so many times in those three months that he was hiding, that she was hiding her baby. Moses could have cried at the wrong moment. There could have been Egyptian guards that were walking by her house at some moment, and he started crying all at the wrong moment. He would be taken. He would be drowned in the Nile River. Jochebed fully knew, but this is what caused her radical desperation. The worse things are, the worse the circumstances, the more desperation should come out of you and me. It might have seemed crazy to everyone but her, but she was going to trust that somehow, some way, God is going to intervene in my life and my baby's life. I wonder if there's anything going on in your life right now, anything. Maybe it's something that's happening in your family. Maybe it's something that's happening between you and your wife. Maybe it's something that's happening with your children, you know, one of your older kids. Maybe it's something that's happening at your workplace. Maybe there's financial difficulties. Maybe there's something with your job. You know, is there anything weird that's happening? Are you being attacked anywhere in your life? where God needs to intervene? Maybe it's just bigger than you are. Good. 
I'm glad it's bigger than you because if you could fix it yourself, you'd be trying to fix it yourself. And then you just get all in the way. God's trying to do something. Oh, I can't get in there because you're just, you're messing it all up. See, sometimes when things are bigger than us, that's the best way to go because we just have to sit back and just say, oh God, we have to trust him completely. See, my wife and I, can we can relate to Jochebed here because it was 37 years ago and three days, 37 years ago and three days ago that our daughter was born, our youngest daughter. And it's like she was born here in Upland, California. The problem was she was born two months early. The problem was she was only four pounds. The problem was 37 years and four days ago, three days ago, all those years ago, the the technology for preemie babies is not what it is today. It's almost four decades ago. And so when my daughter was born in Upland, they immediately took her and they moved her over to a hospital that had an ICU unit for preemies uh, in, in Pomona. So when my wife came awake, she never even got to see her baby. She had a C-section. She couldn't get out of bed. So here she is in one hospital, had never laid eyes on the baby that came out of her womb, and she's in another hospital. And so what's happening for the first three days is my wife is not sleeping at all. Why? Because the news that they're giving us is your daughter is in grave danger. Her lungs are not developed She is not being able to breathe on her own. We're having to pump more and more oxygen into her. We don't think she's going to make it. We don't think she's going to survive this. And if she does, she'll be permanently brain damaged because of all the oxygen. And so you could imagine me and my wife, we're just young and we're like, oh my goodness, how do we deal with this? And finally, after three days, it's like we finally said, Lord, you gave her to us, you can take her back. And I mean, there's nothing else we could do. Well, I was teaching a home Bible study in Norco, California. The entire home Bible study came. They were in the hospital, in the waiting room. They were praying for us and we were praying. And it was just, it was a nightmare three days, trust me. It was not good. And then all of a sudden, on the third day, my wife hadn't slept for three days. On that third day, around 1030 at night, you know, she just was like, just started getting this peace from God. And this peace from God. And she remembers looking at the clock at 11 o'clock and she just said, Lord, I just leave her in your hands. And she just had a peace and she slept like a baby until six o'clock the next morning. She just had this peace of God. And then she called the hospital as soon as she woke up at six in the morning. And the nurse said, I came on last night at 11 o'clock, the very moment that my wife looked at the clock before she went to sleep. And she says, your daughter's had a tremendous turnaround. We've been able to turn the oxygen off. She's breathing on her own. And it's like everything was good. I mean, it's just like no brain damage, no anything, just total healthy baby from that point. She was tiny, but I mean, what a blessing. God moved He moved. See, when you can't do anything, that's the best thing to do is nothing and trust the Lord. Amen. Yes, it's those times that we stand alone with him, realizing that if he doesn't intervene, nothing else can help. And that's where Moses' parents were, backed up against the wall of hardship and misery. Their only hope is that God will miraculously step in. Let's read here, picking up in Exodus 2, verse 5. It says, the daughter of Pharaoh. The daughter of Pharaoh? Yes. She came down to bathe at the Nile River. Boy, hmm, what a coincidence. 
with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds. And she sent her maid and she brought it to her. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the boy was crying and she had pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister pops out of the reeds, okay, Miriam, and said to Pharaoh's daughter, excuse me, ma'am, should I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that they may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes, go ahead. So the girl went and called her mother, okay? Verse nine, then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child, giving her back to her mother, which she doesn't know, and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman, Jochebed, okay, took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, because I drew him up out of the water. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.